0: UK Motor
1: Talk Well this is a special from UK Motor Talk. This is our annual visit to the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders test day. The road one rather than the track one, based on uh, Oakley Hall Hotel, where lots and lots of car manufacturers, I haven't checked how many, but probably about three dozen, bring their latest models for us journalists to give them a go in the real world, uh, on real roads, mostly A road, B road route, which is pretty representative of uh, most people's driving, other than those that confine their driving entirely to cities. We've started off with, well, one of the things I think we want to follow today are the more affordable cars. Yes, I know. Uh, they've, there are provisions there from Maserati, Bentley etc etc but while they are very nice to drive uh, they don't represent the real world for more than one hundredth of one percent of the driving populace of this country so we've started with the Ford Fiesta trend and Helena is uh, driving and obviously enjoying it
0: I'm loving it, sun's beginning to come out uh, feels like we're on holiday a little bit She's quite nice <laughs> right here we go let's feel how the gears work they're very
1: smooth Ford have always been legendary for their gearboxes apart from when they took them to Le Mans and then they broke all the gearboxes but that's another story in terms of their mass production gearboxes which are still made in the UK they're generally very good Let's look at some numbers. This is the Trend 3-door. It's a 1.1 litre, 85 PS, and 16,745. It's got 16-inch, 8-spoke alloy wheels. Body-coloured mirror, tyre pressure monitoring system, an end-cap pack, and not much in the way of optional features. It is pretty much down. The entry level, but it does. I think that price of 16,745 does rather illustrate why Ford, Vauxhall, and the big players have lost so much of the budget end of the market because you can buy equally well equipped cars, equally well built cars for substantially less. The combined mpg of 48.7.
0: is a really nice and easy to find very smooth I really do love it nice feel and uh, of course this is all sort of country roads bends and so on and it's quite a small car it's not one of these great big bulky things you know so it's manageable on these lovely country roads and just, it feels nice Got a nice grip on the road even though it's wet and I feel quite secure in it I can see well nice shaped mirrors
1: it's a 1.1, it's not designed to go anywhere in a particular hurry because the 0 to 60 time is 13.8, which is the uh, equivalent of uh, one week. But it's, it's a car that will be no doubt very popular. We'll continue to keep Ford uh, high up in the sales. 50 miles
0: an hour on this road, and we've got a great big Bentley behind us, which doesn't actually look right on these little roads. Just so it looks a little bit big, it's almost taking up the whole width of the, the roads and it's a worry when you get cars that big sometimes because there's no space for accidents it really is worrying in this day and age when we've got so many cars on the road we need to be thinking about buildings smaller thinking about the petrol as well you know
1: the, uh, Bentley of course the living embodiment of that old joke about practically owning the road uh, or county or country
0: is that I find the steering wheel a little bit too slippy and it would be nice just to have maybe, I mean I, I presume that you can switch steering wheels, just a little bit more grip. I just feel maybe in the winter just to have that little bit of grip for me, because um, I think I, I don't know if it's a woman thing, we tend to grab the steering wheel more of a security thing, but it's like a security blanket <laughs> but that's the only thing, everything else just so comfortable
1: Sort of looking around the Cabin myself, not an awful lot of headroom, and I'm not particularly tall, so. Um, and actually I actually disagree, Graham.
2: Right. there's plenty of headroom in the back. Do
1: you think so?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's certainly no shortage of uh, legroom either, really. I mean, whether you'd want to go too far in a, this, thing, I mean, you, your seat isn't right the way back. I would hope. No, it's but, not. But uh, on the other hand, it's uh, behind uh, Helena. There's plenty of space.
1: Okay, let's have a look at uh, what controls we've got, well everything you would reasonably expect. This is a manual, you talked about safety, it is uh, NCAP 5 star, well isn't everything these days, or if it isn't it certainly should be. Uh, Well equipped with uh, airbags, very well padded all the way round. I personally don't like the size of the infotainment screen, but um, there we are, I'm sure a lot of people will find that a plus feature everything else very simple controls uh, nice that there were controls on the steering wheel cruise control which is pleasant fine cruise control at this level of uh, budget uh, I use it a lot so I'm a big fan uh, radio on the other side of the steering wheel uh, but all the conventional controls you know they if they haven't got the ergonomics sorted out by now after a uh, hundred and however many years that it is that they've been building these things, um, I'd be very surprised. And commenting uh, back on the uh, seats, yes, they are very comfortable. I do find them slightly short. Uh, Maybe I've got saggy knees, maybe that's what it is. But um, good back, well supported. Uh, Lots of use of memory foam, I suspect. What do we think of the uh, blue pointers on the dials? Yes or no?
0: Uh, Yeah, I quite like that. As long as it is not going to be too bright at night, you know, because it can be quite distracting. But I quite like it in the day, you know, when the sun's shining, you can actually see it. It really does stand out, and that's good. And, you know, you think you're on a sort of rough, you know, bumpy sort of country roads, but it it really is very smooth, lovely. Even when it goes over the bumps, it's, it's got that smooth feel, so I love it, yeah.
1: So for a, quite a small car, and small cars can of course suffer sometimes from a, a, a difficult ride, you simply haven't got the space within the package to uh, always make it as good as the automotive engineers would like, but in this case yeah it's it's a good ride, it's it's a very well sorted motor car. The only thing for me that detracts slightly is the price tag, there are a lot of Far Eastern manufacturers. That are doing very, very similar cars, many of them as good and several thousand pounds cheaper, uh, which is why the market has fragmented in the way it has in the last decade. Okay, well, we've just uh, stepped out of one market leading manufacturer to another, Vauxhall, uh, and between the two of them, they usually manage to uh, take the top slot, certainly on small car markets. So this is the Astra Elite Nav, 1.5 Turbo D, it's 1500cc, this is considerably more expensive at 24850, so 1.5 Turbo, 122 PS, maximum speed of 130 miles an hour and a 0-60 of 9.6, which is not actually that quick. These days, but I suppose for turbo diesel, it's probably uh, reasonably so. Combined uh, MPG, combined high, sixty-two point eight. Combined low, fifty-eight point nine. It has a very very long list of standard features, and um, that is basically what's pushing the price up, because this must be towards the top of the Astra range. Oh, in fact. Just spotted there are some more options, so this car is in fact 27105 because it's got a spare wheel amongst other things that cost 110 quid. on emergency call 415 parking sensors. Now again, I would have thought parking sensors were pretty much obligatory, pretty much standard issue on virtually anything these days, but no. Uh, 480 quid on this. Traffic sign recognition and pedestrian protection, 275 quid. Um,
2: if, as a driver, you can't do that yourself, you shouldn't be driving. Well,
1: exactly so. Uh, you know, if, if, if you can go to Poundland and get a pair of glasses that will help you see pedestrians easier, that will cost you a quid. 275 quid does seem a bit extreme, but there you go. The thing we've already noticed, and you driving, is that it's very light steering. Incredibly light steering. Terrible sound
2: for the indicator, isn't it? Very tinny.
1: Very tinny, yes. How are we in the back?
0: Yes, fine. It's it's quite comfy. The seats need to be a little bit longer for the leg, Um, just to supporting right up to the knee. There's quite a lot of leg and not enough seat, I think.
1: Right, well, I noticed it's got a speed limit indicator built onto the dash. I think the, uh, the screen is a little more subtle, it's actually built in rather than grafted on. Grey plastic interior, very average. Um, seats, not bad, again I, I find them a little bit short, maybe my, uh, maybe my thighs are too long, I should have some uh, thigh modification work done. But at least we're in a four door car with a reasonable amount of back seat got quite a lot of oomph as well
2: it's uh, plenty for a road like this particularly seeing cars pulling out in front of vans like that one in front of us and uh, yes all too easy to get up to stay at and uh, probably break the speed limit
1: I noticed the uh, lane system lane assist or call it whatever you will Uh, everybody has a different name for it was flashing Uh, And that seems to be a feature of all these cars, they struggle a bit to recognise that you're on a B road, Uh, or is this an A road? I don't know. It's, It's a small... It's not a motorway. It's a small country road, and it struggles a little for centre.
2: But then it's not on the whole time, it doesn't seem to be... No, it's
1: flickering on and off, so... It
2: doesn't seem to be affecting the steering either, so whatever it's doing, it's doing it
1: quite well. Subtly. I think one of the things that we commented on last year and the year before was that some of the uh, luxury cars in the thirty, thirty, forty, 50, pounds £50,000 range were perhaps overly controlling. The um, sensors were a little too sensitive and were taking over an element of control, which I think all of us that were driving found somewhat disconcerting.
2: Well, it's, as you say, on these country roads, it certainly wasn't... Being helpful. I mean, that's how you got to look at these things. Are they being helpful? Is it is it making my driving safer? Well, if it's making you have to constantly adjust to overcome what the computer's telling it it should be doing, rather than uh, helping you stay on the road, that's not really very helpful, is it?
1: Well, you're into the sort of Sony button argument from the hi-fi world from years ago that that um, you know let's put more buttons on and charge more money. Well, some of the features are useful, uh, some are less useful, and uh, perhaps are things you don't necessarily just. Just need. while you're saying that, by the way, it's now telling me I'm in a
2: national speed limit, whereas actually we're in a 40, so that's not being helpful either, is it? No. No.
1: There's no good having this stuff unless it's unless it's accurate, accurate at all times.
2: Although it has spotted some cars in front, I presume that's what that little green thing means.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
2: Despite the fact that they're <laughs> you know, that's... 100 feet in front. It's, uh...
1: Well, that's my eyes are deceiving me, that appears to be a, a wheelie bin spotter. <laughs> Perhaps not.
2: <laughs> How much was that optional extra?
1: <laughs> I mean, there are uh, many useful things in here. I mean, it will be a family car, so um, I'm a great believer in the ISOFIX system for the child seats.
2: It did actually also spot that pedestrian, by the way. Although how the little light coming on on the dashboard helps you more rather than actually looking out the window and seeing the pedestrian yourself, I don't know.
1: So you were distracted by the pedestrian on the dashboard uh, while you were busy running into the pedestrian <laughs> that's actually in front of the car. Make it
2: very clear that's not the case. <laughs> No No pedestrians were hurt in the making of this thing. (laughs) I think perhaps the light's coming on saying that they've spotted the pedestrian and the computer inside perhaps then is acknowledging that fact and perhaps is trying to be clever, so if you did mount the pavement, it's going to break suddenly? I don't know. I don't think that's what we're going to try on this particular drive. No,
1: I don't think we'll test that uh, feature to its uh, ultimate limits. And the insurance group is TBC. (laughs) Does that mean really high? <laughs> it's
2: all right now. Does
1: the job? Yeah, it does the job. It's perfectly adequate. It's quite comfortable. Nice. I actually preferred the Ford seats, I think. Right. But um, these are nicer looking seats. They're nicely stitched.
2: Possibly slightly more expensive fabric, but yeah, not much. Yeah.
1: Certainly, that is the case.
2: It's quite quiet, quite comfy. Handles reasonably well. In mean, these bumpy country roads, it's not struggling with at all, is it? I don't know how comfortable it is in the back, bump wise, but um, it's not
0: bad. And when you were really, you know, throwing it round the bends, I was still quite stable, so that was nice. You know, I wasn't even thinking children maybe in the back, <laughs> maybe being thrown around, but it was, it was quite
1: stable. I think it does aim at a, a slightly sportier ride, right, so um, it's it's not quite as settled, not quite as uh, comfortable as uh, you would like. <laughs> I don't know
2: whether that's the turbo waiting to spin up or what.
1: Yeah, or the turbo uh, is a little bit slow to, uh, to pick up. Likes the revs, it also. seems to like the revs. Yeah, it likes to, it comes in strong uh, a little bit further up, but to get you away from rest, it's not terribly highly boosted. These things are so technical these days, particularly with turboing, that to meet all of the uh, performance figures and all of the uh, emissions figures, you've got to be quite cute about how you. Design the turbo and how the turbo is implemented.
0: UK Motor Talk.
1: Well, this is, uh, in some respects, for me a blast from the past. This is a Sanyon Corando, and uh, actually, in fact, the last one of these I drove, I believe, was something like 1988 or nine when they first came onto the market. I have to say, it was a bit agricultural at that time, a bit rudimentary. It was a fairly unsophisticated motor car. Uh, This now is rather different. Uh, I think kind of range from 19,000. This is um, very, very well equipped, very swish. It's got the obligatory annoying screen. These roads are too narrow, really, for this sort of vehicle. But then, people who buy this sort of vehicle tend to drive on these roads, so there's a bit of a contradiction there in features, because it's continually telling me that I'm wandering across the lanes. I'm not; just the lanes are somewhat narrower than this kit allows for.
2: Now, this particular one we're in is thirty-two thousand pounds, not just the starting at nineteen thousand and the, all the bells and whistles, you've already noticed it's making funny beepy noises, as we're going underneath the trees, into the, it's making that beepy noise again, as we're going underneath the trees, I think it thinks it's night time, and it's switching all your lights on and making the screen go dark, so I think it might be trying to be a little bit too clever for its own good.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, everything on it, uh, like so many cars these days, it's, it's a bit overly sensitive, so uh, particularly on these sorts of roads, as you say, the tree cover... It darkens. It thinks it's night time. Puts the lights on. Oh. And it has one of those features which I really don't like when it tries to rest the steering wheel from your hands. It's done it again. That's uh, that's a feature that I would definitely turn off immediately because it's really, really irritating. And that beeper. And that beeper as well.
2: Having uh, just got out of an Astra, which you wouldn't expect to be necessarily the most refined vehicle on the planet, this seems incredibly noisy, not handling the bumps very well, and uh, just generally not such a pleasant place to be, despite the fact it's actually more expensive
1: than the Astra. It is a pretty harsh ride, which, okay, you might expect from a, a 4x4, or might have expected once upon a time, most of the uh, major 4x4 builders have really got their act together now.
0: There's plenty of uh, space in the back, lots of nice legroom and also the material on the seats, especially for children if you have children, I mean if they're going to be sick or they're going to drop sweets and all sorts, it's the sort of material that's easily washed and wiped so you're not going to get that sort of continual sick smell or if you spill milk or anything the car, it will be easily washed
2: away. Although well, I will point out that uh, as uh, I seem to remember Mike mentioning in one of our podcasts a while back, the fabric with all the little dotty bits in it that when someone is when someone is sick or spills something in it, it yeah. seeps into the seat oh, and yeah. is actually very, very difficult to get yeah, out. So I'm not entirely convinced. And although, so although hopefully not too much time to find out. Yes, as we're going around these corners, it certainly doesn't feel as pleasant and handleable, round, sort of, fairly windy lanes, and you're, yeah, yeah, considering how much you're moving that steering wheel, it's not moving the car very much.
1: Bigger wheels. So, what do we think of it? Uh, should we round up already? Um, <laughs> inside is um, fine, acceptable, large areas of plastic. It, it's It's not terribly sophisticated, but... At this trim level, what was it, 32? 32 grand yeah. ish. Uh, I suppose it's got all the toys that it should have. Not a terribly enjoyable drive, though. I mean, one thing that I would point
2: out from a nerdy perspective is that it's actually got TomTom Tom running as its sat nav, which, for those who've had to argue with many built in in car nav systems over the years, TomTom Tom is still by far the best one that I found.
1: Well, there we are, that's a user, a driver's experience. In conclusion, well I guess if you're in the market for a big 4x4 but you don't have the astronomical sums that are needed for many of the market leaders, then you're going to take a close look at this and you'll probably take a view on its quirks, shall we say, The fact that it is um, in some areas a little bit idiosyncratic Uh, but it's a lot of car for the money a big car for the money and if big is what impresses then you will take a look at it right so we've uh, tended to focus on the uh, budget end of the marketplace this morning this afternoon after lunch we are at the other end of the marketplace because when the Maserati Levante this is the new petrol engine one it was interesting over the bumps on the way out of the drive just to compare with the previous car it was considerably smoother but it does have a different
0: uh, button for a different drive so you can drive it depending on where you are Obviously for country roads you've got one button and if it's for maybe motorway you've got more of a sporty type feel.
1: Yeah, as you'd expect, uh, I think of a car this quality and value, it is a Maserati after all. So you'd expect it to be a very competent car. It certainly is that, it's certainly well equipped. And it's got all the whiz-bangs you'd expect. So fully adjustable for on or off-road, fully adjustable for however hard you want the... uh, performance settings, how aggressive you want the engine and gearbox modes, flappy paddles, it's got an 8-speed ZF gearbox uh, and if they can't work out how to find the best speed I'm sure they're better at it than I am and they've been doing it longer than I have. So everything you would expect, I love the fact, I've said this before but I'll risk of repeating myself yet again, I love the fact they've still got the oval clock with the Maserati Trident on it. Uh, just a nod to their history. This is a very different vehicle to uh, the sporting cars, but you know it does carry a lot of that history within it. Now, actually, it didn't deal that well with that section of classic English road, i.e., a copy of the Belgian Parve of the 1950s, like most B-roads are these days, full of lumps and bumps and places where developers, subcontractors, have been digging the road up and backfilling it very badly. And it's still a little bit sporty, perhaps, is how we politely put it. Yeah. Yes. A little bit more agile. Stop, start, nice and easy there. But again, you would expect that. And it does pick up very, very quickly. But, then but considering how it sounds
2: from the outside on tick over, that sort of exhaust note rumbling away, as you're sitting in here, it doesn't sound particularly gutsy at all, does it?
1: No, it's, it's actually quite well soundproofed. But then, again, you, you, you would expect that. Um, well, you know, if, you, if you've gone to the effort of
2: tuning that exhaust, surely you'd like to hear some of it in here.
1: Well, I don't know how much of that is for the benefit of the... Uh, the passerby or for impressing the the great unwashed who can't afford one of these and one has to uh, keep a very close eye on the speedo or use cruise control quite a lot. I
2: mean to be fair this route that we're on the speed limit seems to change every hundred yards or so almost guaranteeing to catch people out.
1: Yes fortunately I haven't seen any cameras that just means to say I haven't seen any cameras, but it, it is one of the things I like about this sort of vehicle. You do have a, a better view of the road. It's it's all very well rushing along in a catering or something like that with your uh, nether regions scraping along the ground. The forward visibility you have in that position is just about zero. Ask any F1 driver. Sitting at this height, you are not far off the level of white van man who. Um, spent a quarter of the same amount of money and these days has about a quarter of the same amount of performance.
2: The other advantage over a catering, it's just started raining again but uh, we don't need to worry about not having a roof or anything.
1: (laughs) I think the wipers are automatic on this as are most things. It's interesting it does have the uh, lane assist system but that lane assist system is not obtrusive It just flashes up occasionally and isn't attempting to control the way I'm driving. You know, this is is a well-sorted package. There are people who are very, very good engineers and people who are very, very good test drivers who have worked on this vehicle. As for the leather and things, in
2: comparison to the uh, other ones we've seen with little holes in, uh, much more sensible.
0: Cocoon seats you've got in the back, you know, almost a bit like a race seat even for the back passengers it's wonderful so if you suffer from a bad back i mean this is this is brilliant you know really the dynamics and the shaping for the spine is really important and this car has certainly got that for me
2: and Um, the leather with the nice red stitching uh, emphasizing the nice bits
0: that's right it's got a nice fashion angle there and it looks very smart and there's plenty of room in the back as well for for passengers
1: Now in the back seat, you can hear more exhaust noise in the back. You do hear the, the sound rather better. But it's still uh, very, very well muted.
0: Can I just say, I mean, this feels like a big pussy pussycat. You know, I always see these guys and these Maseratis driving a hundred and whatever. And this is easy-peasy, it's just beautiful, smooth driving. And this is called the Levante. The Levante is a part of Spain where there has got this wind. Imagine this blowing down the road, breezing down that road, that Levante, that wind, and just taking you in smoothly. And it's wonderful. It's very big to look at on the outside, but when you're inside, it doesn't feel as big. It just feels like, you you know, you're in a sort of a, a normal sort of sized car. Definitely, I'd love something like this to get around. It's beautiful. And we're off downhill now, and it just seems like we're just slipping down so easy. And you've got this beautiful countryside in the in the background. And again, it's like you're on holiday. It doesn't feel like work. And this is what we want in this busy day and age. Things that make life easy, so... Well done, Maserati. Keep going. UK motor talk.
2: So what are we in then, Graham?
1: Well, we're in the Kia Sportage. And as we seem to be having a largely SUV day, this and the uh, Toyota RAV4 uh, really sort of define the affordable end of that marketplace, I guess.
2: And this one's particularly affordable, really, isn't
1: it? What was it, 28? 28 and a half. 28 and a half, okay. Well-aspect, well-mannered. Am I jumping ahead? Well, Handles the bumps quite well. I mean, the
2: Sangyong was 32, wasn't it? So this is four grand cheaper than the
1: Sangyong. Do you think that it's four grand cheaper inside? As a driving environment, no, I don't think it is. <sighs> On an initial acquaintanceship, got all the toys one might expect. Uh, It's certainly um, been around long enough now, I think I first drove these early 90s, and then they were a bit rudimentary, I guess, but uh, they are now certainly feel a bit more sophisticated. I'm not sure
2: this one has uh, quite as many annoying gadgets to beep at you, at least.
1: Maybe that's a good thing, maybe it is um, uh, slightly uh, more practical in that respect. It doesn't have gadgets for gadgets' sake, and that, I think, would uh, reflect in its price tag. Although, you know, coming back to that 28.5, that's still perhaps a wee bit more than I would have necessarily expected. but well, it feels quite sporty, it handles very well. It's... The small SUV, all SUVs are getting carried away with what was once upon a time a niche market and it now dominates the market. Um, we're seeing loads and loads of examples of SUVs today, rather too many, but this is you know if you have a, a relatively limited budget, this is certainly one to consider. I mentioned the Suzuki Vitara there. Uh, both of which were really early into the, to, to the marketplace before really anybody else had sort of woken up to the idea of a mini SUV but I remember both of them, uh, the first coming out, late 80s, early 90s they came out because they were practical family cars Four seats, five at a pinch and a good size load area and it was a big square load area not a tiny little boot. So in that respect, they were very, very eminently practical and eminently affordable family cars. Now there's something slightly different, or at least the nomenclature is a bit different.
2: I think as time has gone on, they've become the compromise vehicle, effectively, haven't they? You you want an estate car. Well, this is the compromise rather than that because we're not doing estate cars anymore. It's a you know, slightly higher driving position, but, you know, you don't want a Range Rover, you can't afford a Range Rover, so this is the compromise car for that job.
1: Uh, yes, I, I think all of those things are, are, are true. And in that respect, I guess it's it's not very different from the original thinking. It isn't an estate car, it isn't a three-box saloon. Does anybody still make a three-box saloon? I'm not sure that they do. Oh, yes, Bentley still do. <laughs> but it is a, a very practical package more space than a than a hatch, a higher driving position, a little bit wider, a little bit more room, and in this instance, I say quite well. I respect. I still don't like this clutch.
2: Now, I would say, uh, looking at the dashboard there, it's a little bit more traditional than uh, some of the ones we've seen. It's that the dials are there physically; they're uh, perfectly clear, nicely lit up, and uh, nice red needles, which. Uh, appears quite sporting to me, I don't know why.
1: Uh, well, it does, but uh, but just fairly, as you say, traditional. Very, very little on there to uh, confuse you. It doesn't have lane assist, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. It has the things that you actually probably need. Uh, it tells you what gear you're in, it tells you what the temperature is, it tells you what the speed limit is, and whether you're over or under it. What else do you need? As usual, it's beset with the uh, massive uh, screen. The other thing that is worth noticing, and as it's just started to rain, I'm not going to be tempted to open it, is the massive sunroof. For the right days, it's just perfect. The kids going to get plenty of fresh air, anyway. This, you know, this, I quite like this. Not expecting to.
2: Going around these corners, we're uh, not exactly being thrown around, it's uh, not wallowy, as one might expect from a not very well set up 4x4, four four. and, uh, yeah, it's all all quite pleasant, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite well anchored. It's, too, it's quite nicely weighted. And again, the, the ride over the bumpy bits of road, I would say is more comfortable than in the Maserati, but... Uh, I don't know whether that's just me misremembering the harsh uh, ride of the Maserati.
1: Well, I'm going to uh, wait until we uh, find some of the inevitable lumps in the road like that uh, before I uh, pass judgement on it, but um, I thought, we've just we've just gone over a couple of fairly substantial holes, and I thought it handled them very well. I refer to what I said a little bit earlier, this has been around for a while and it seems to me they've It's actually pretty refined package so uh, a bit more expensive than one or two of the uh, uh, later entries into that sort of market sector the mini SUV sector or whatever we choose to call it but it is it's a well-assured package and it's not an old design it's fresh it's modern and it's got pretty much everything you could possibly want. How are you in the back?
0: It's, it's so relaxing that um, I'm almost going to sleep. It's, it's really nice. So, um, again, the seats are nice in the back because I've got a feel of, you know, sort of almost fitted, in a sense, and not too big and wallowy.
2: It's certainly a comfortable passenger seat from this side, not sliding around on any of those corners, as you say. It's, again, it's not a deep bucket seat or anything that's sporty-sporty, but it's, you know, comfortable, supportive. The back is... Uh, Quite comfortable. Don't know about in the back. They look fairly similar, really. And and it's going quite well as well, isn't it? On these country lanes, it's uh, certainly not struggling to uh, hit a sensible speed, and
1: uh, handles these corners uh, really quite well. Uh, Yeah, I I have to say, generally, I am impressed. Uh, It was a car uh, that was in my mind today to try out because I haven't been one for a number of years. And I'm um, quite, uh, quite impressed with this one. It's just a little more money than I anticipated, but uh, feel about a sort of motor car. I like it a lot. So we're in the Alfa Romeo Giulia, the Veloce. Now, if you uh, are a follower of uh, Federico Fellini's films, <laughs> Giulia was one of I was not expecting the... that! <laughs> and it's the Alpha Legend. We drove the Stelvio. It was one of the highlights of our collective drive that particular day. And that picks up quite nicely. Immediately quite uh, twitchy steering, but a car of this nature, I think that's what you want. You want to be in control of it, you want to know what it's doing all the time. I'm being really lazy, this is just in drive mode, it's a delightful motor car, uh, I'm a fan anyway, I must admit to being a uh, perhaps an undiscerning fan of all things Italian in terms of automotive technology, Ferraris, Maseratis and Alphas and this is something which is truly race-bred The Giulia and Giulietta uh, have been two very, very important names within Alpha and Sporting Saloons since, I guess since the early 50s, mid 50s, 1950s that is. Yes, I am that old. And they really are race bred. They have been very, very successful in European touring cars, in all kinds of sports car racing very successful in uh, British touring cars a few years ago. Fine road cars, very fine road cars. All of that history is built in here somewhere and it certainly feels like it. Massive yellow, bright yellow, I don't necessarily need the flash of bright yellow calipers, but they certainly are effective. It has a more discreet screen than some.
2: Would it be rude of me to comment that the interior in this doesn't seem anything special? The actual DNA of it's fairly well hidden from view.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. It doesn't uh, shout its interior. It's it's very uh, subtle. There's uh, some faux carbon fibre dotted around. No alcantara, but some nice, uh, quite nice stitched material, leather of some sort, possibly and possibly not. Fairly,
2: uh, I would say, not terribly high-quality plastic in the door.
1: Uh, No, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. It's not. The money has not been spent in the interior. It's as dark as an Audi's boot, but the money lies in the engineering, the handling, the engine, the transmission, all of those things. Flappy paddle gears, if you want to play with them. Might have a little play later. He doesn't like the bumps. No, it doesn't
2: like the bumps. Sitting in traffic, going nowhere.
1: And it's convinced we're doing one miles an hour there for a the moment, even though we weren't doing anything, and we had actually stopped.
0: It's not shouting. It doesn't need to shout. It's You look at the sewing, the stitching, and that is leather. It's good leather. And even the doors is actually better than you think they are. If you actually feel the doors, there's lots of leather in the door. And it's a sort of a, a, a black, but it's almost a sort of a grey, soft black. You know, I just think it's subtly done. It's you know, soft, it's very comfortable in the back and I love the deep, the depth of the seats. You've got some nice
2: suede or something as a uh, bucket yes.
0: seat there. Yeah, in the so middle. A, a but, nice, yeah, Yeah, uh, a bit more of a bucket seat, nice so tight. you're actually sitting low.
1: I like it. A lot.
0: I like the steering wheel. It's got the grips underneath, so you've got the feel that you're actually, you're not slipping, you're not sliding. It's just very, very sensitive. Um, so easy to go too fast. I'm feeling the brakes, and the brakes are amazing, but they have to be with something this quick.
1: I think these are six-pot callipers. Uh, we'll check when we get out, but uh, it's interesting. You're driving behind one of the most illustrious badges in motorsport.
0: Well, it certainly feels like it, and um, it's nice, the screen to the left is much more subtle. It sort of blends in with the car, it doesn't stick out like a of thumb, making you constantly want to look at it, which is bad because the eyes should be always on that road. It's that second away from not looking at what's happening that bang, you know, that's when it all happens. So with a car like this, you need to be on the ball. Uh, I like the color as well, so it's a bit different. The Alfa i don't know. They're, they're normally red, or is it my? They're normally, the darker red. Darker red, red yes. They're darker yeah. red than Ferrari. Yeah, so it's nice to have a, a bit of a change. And uh, yeah, no. Generally, overall, it's it's a lovely drive. Lovely drive. Okay,
1: okay. Let us see. So it's a turbo petrol. It's a two-liter, two hundred and eighty brake horsepower, six-speed auto just under 6 seconds for the 0-60 with a top speed of 149. I can see that. Also gives a maximum towing weight of 745 kilos. This is presumably if you want to pull your race car along behind it. I can't see any other reason you would want to fit a tow hitch on an Alfa Romeo. MPG, the combined, 33.6... This is Misano Blue. Uh, I rather like it as well. It's a sort of electric blue. So, this is base is 46,000, a little over. You can win extra fiver. But the options list is um, another five grand, five and a half nearly. So, it tops out at 51.4. We talked earlier in the day about another vehicle albeit one that was a lot cheaper and a lot less uh, ambitious right. and how long it took for the uh, turbo to spin up, that is certainly not the case with <laughs> this car. Uh,
2: no, there's certainly no lag on that, Admittedly, I've only accelerated to 40 and back down to 30 within 100 yards but uh, no, that seems to go a little bit better than the uh, Astra from what well, that comment was from earlier on I think, wasn't it? Alpha
1: were doing this supercharging but they were playing with supercharging in the 1930s bear in mind Enzo Ferrari before there even was a Ferrari was Alfa Romeo's racing team manager having been a moderately successful race driver in his day a Grand Prix driver in his day but we are delving back into um, as I say the 1930s but they've been producing Sporting cars, racing cars, racing cars adapted for the road, and some very, very quick sports and saloon cars ever since.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can see how this doesn't struggle in uh, city traffic and things. It's sort of uh, quite calm when
1: it wants to be, isn't it? it? It is a a well-tamed beast.
0: Yeah.
1: Not ridiculously expensive, not... Ridiculously fast. says
2: it's, it's not impossible to keep going slow either, is it? Yeah, it is. You
1: can you can control it.
2: Well, oh, I see a fifty limit coming up. Yeah, out of seventh gear, down to third. It's true when you've got so many gears to play with, it has to be in quite a high gear just doing normal things, isn't it? So all in all, is this the peak of our driving for the day?
1: What do you reckon? I think I've enjoyed it most of all Uh, best that's always very subjective but in this case yes I've enjoyed this car I think more than any other in terms of pure driving entertainment Helena
0: well there's aspects to all the different cars but I think this would be the fun car for me out of all the cars that we've driven Um, you know and other choices I would like but this, this I imagine could be a really fun car in my retirement <laughs> <laughs>
1: Andrew? Well
2: I suppose the only other one that would come close to the kind of exotic DNA behind it is the Maserati but this is much more pure sport isn't it? The Maserati's drifted off into uh, 4x4 off-roady type territory for good or for bad and uh, this this one at least is sort of nice as a sporty car it's not a sports car but it's a sporty car whether that's a good thing or the, whether it makes it the best car well who knows
1: <laughs> yeah exactly who knows but it is it is it is true to alpha's origins and uh, the Maserati perhaps in that respect wasn't it's a substantial deviation from what Maserati have always done this is much closer to the true DNA of Italian Motorsport and of particularly of Alfa Romeo.
0: UK Motor, Talk, a first take media production.